Hello, hello, and welcome to The Good Shit. For this episode, I thought it'd be a really good idea to actually continue exploring the theme that I left off um, on in the last episode on um, the difference between reacting to certain social pressures around gender where they are kind of benign as opposed to when they are hinting at a deeper issue um and uh, i just kind of briefly touched on the example of the pressure of women to shave their legs and there's constantly arguments around this on this morning or you know um is it acceptable for women to not shave their armpits and it just seems really stupid because at the end of the day who cares you know it's it's a very personal thing and um if people are in a relationship obviously they are having these conversations with their partners and it's kind of a petty thing really um i don't see why it would be a conversation at a society or worldwide level <laughs> it can it can change facts sometimes if people are misinformed um i remember someone saying oh well in these ads for shaving legs uh, the legs are always already hairless so what are you actually shaving you know men not realizing that women have certain kinds of body hair and this kind of silly totally ridiculous stuff and that's why i think it's really important to separate information from personal reactions when educating children um so many people are so triggered by these stupid things and it's just it doesn't belong in education i feel like we just need to be very clear on teaching these things you know there's certainly plenty of things that i am deeply uncomfortable with as a trans guy you know i was writing some academic content on sex let's say and um i was going through a, an earlier stage of my transition and i was just very very uncomfortable with talking about intercourse and even reproductive things you know all of those themes were very very difficult for me um but i had to cover that topic so i thought okay well um i'm just going to take it slow and just keep it objective as much as possible the thing is there's no such thing as objective i actually um i asked someone recently what they thought on the statement of um uh a fact <clears throat> a fact is just an opinion held by many people and how uh yeah just on how you know, uh, the concept of objectivity and in education especially there's there's no such thing as objectivity i really do believe that there's no such thing as objectivity um you are always or there's always a meaning in what you're writing and if you look at a textbook the writing seems really dry and distant but there is always a clue there as to how the author was feeling when they wrote that you know te- textbooks can be really boring and um not all of them and i think this is the magic of of teaching is 
you can really, you know, how you feel when you communicate is what teaching actually is about. It's not really about the facts. It's about the process of, of learning about those things. And it would be naive to say that there is a way to be objective. There isn't. And I think this is the danger. The better you are able to present something as objective, the easier and more dangerous and powerful it becomes for you to communicate anything. This is like the news, right? If you think, if you take for granted that this is an objective medium, it could tell you anything and you just believe it. It doesn't have to be true. You just think, you just think it's a reliable source. So you take it, you know, I think a lot of people can relate to this. If they think, a lot of older people, if they think back to their education days in, in different countries and they think, oh, this was propaganda, this was bullshit, this was not true, this was spun, this is the thing. Yes, facts can be these um, cold, detached statements of knowledge, but spinning them is very easy. It takes minimal, minimal tweaking to just put things in a slightly different light. So back to my point about me writing about sex and something that was very up, you know, very difficult for me at the time, or maybe even even now actually, um, and 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 trying to balance this need for being just as objective as possible, not trying to put myself in that description, if at all possible. So, uh, you know, it it took me a lot longer than normal to try to write about that um, and not not insert my my bias um, and my difficulty into that description. I'm pretty sure this connected to my first point about reacting to these, you know, these external influences, but essentially... With the, you know, with with the leg shaving thing, um, people just respond very differently to these fairly superficial or even objective fact things. And there is there is a sort of a space for that reaction to be not a big deal. And then there's a space where that reaction is kind of more of a big deal. And I think how strong we feel about something is probably a clue to a lot of stuff. I think this goes into some sort of psychoanalytical stuff, really, about um, various therapies that people can do to figure out what their pl- what their problem is. And... Um, I went through a lot of that, a lot of that when I was a kid. And when you don't have the language for it, you're really just feeling a lot of emotions and not really having words for them. And the words that you might have for them may 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 help you in that moment, but may not quite be the right words. I would just be so upset by things that to other people just seemed really okay and not a big deal. And to me, it was just really upsetting. Um, 
just, you know, I'm trying to think of examples, but this was a long time ago, and I can just remember the themes of those experiences. Um, feeling uncomfortable in being placed, um, placed as female. Um, and I think an interesting um, thing to talk about here is actually, uh, and, and a thing that a lot, of, a lot of people kind of struggle with, um, I, I really, really didn't struggle with this, to be honest, but a lot of people do struggle with this because in a society that has been sexist and um, various shades of nasty towards women and girls, how can you, um, as a trans guy or as a questioning individual, tell the difference between a reaction to sexism and a reaction to um, the negativities that you're faced with uh, being brought up as a girl um, from being a trans guy. And actually, for me, this is very straightforward um, you know, this is a conversation, quite a, a heated conversation now around gender dysphoria and how a lot of people misdiagnose themselves with gender dysphoria when they really have body dysmorphia. And this is very common with girls in terms of um, just having various um, issues and anxieties around body image. Um, for me, it was just extremely obvious to tell the difference the thing is there is overlap of course there is overlap because you don't know what your life would have been like in a different universe um but where there is no overlap and where it's extremely clear is viewing it as a um an additive an additive game instead of a subtracting game so for me and and i think this goes back to really the conversation about um can you be trans without? Can you be trans without having gen, without having gender dysphoria? Um, to me, it's about reaching towards something that you you don't have, and it's not it's not about getting rid of something that you have as much as reaching out towards something that you want that you don't have, uh, because identifying as as a gender as male or female um, primarily isn't about um, having an issue with the wrong body that you have primarily it's an issue about not having the right body that you see yourself as the the wrong sex that your body has is is more of a side effect so if you are a girl and you are uncomfortable with your body that's not gender dysphoria. If you are um, a girl and you are constantly wanting to be, you know, in with the boys and seen as male and develop into a male body and exist as male rather than female, then the femaleness really is just a secondary thing. It's just something that's kind of in, in your way um, sometimes it's not in your way. Sometimes, you know, it's not like a zero-sum sum game. But the things that are in your way are the things that you try to get rid of. But that's not really the focus of it. 
the focus of it is achieving something rather than um, just getting rid of something else. You know, for me, top surgery is is not really about hating my boobs. It's about hating not having a male chest. The boobs are just the, the flip side of that. Um, I was always so uncomfortable with them. And the thing is, these things take a toll on you, on your whole life. It's just it's difficult to overstate the power of a very small thing over a really long time. You can try this with pain. If you have a very strong pain for a split second, it's really not that big of a deal. Um, but if you have a very, very weak pain or discomfort every single day of every single, like, you know, for years, you know how that can wear you down, really wear you down. That is the worst kind of torture. You know, it's, it's not something that is really intense. It's something that is always there, something that's omnipresent that is the thing that really breaks you and uh breaks your spirit and breaks your mind that is the thing that really um gets to you you know and for me yes i look in the mirror and i'm not super super happy with let's say what my chest looks like but that's not the main thing at all you know the main thing is over my whole life to this point, I have had my body contradict my identity. And whether that was when I was going through puberty, feeling extremely self-conscious. But this is the thing, uh, you know, obviously being weird and self-conscious and uncomfortable going through puberty is pretty normal and to be expected in anyone but for me, it was way more than that because it was just tied into my gender identity in a big way. It wasn't a case of, oh, people are sexualizing my body, even though, of course, they were, or a case of I'm drawing attention to myself or a case of trying to readjust my body or my my routines or my clothes or, or whatever. It, it was just so much deeper than that, really hitting to the core of my identity, hitting to the core of my relationships to the core of my relationship with my body and my relationship with my identity and feeling uh, completely blocked by my body in my, in my self-expression of my identity. Um, over the years, really uh, kind of hunching, subconsciously hunching because um, I, w I was just so uncomfortable. So that really ties into I mean, you know you know if you've got some, like posture problems or whatever and they say you need to become more conscious of you know how you sit and how you walk and things like that and how these things are very subconscious movements i think the part of the brain that governs posture is a very very um primitive part of the brain so this is all very subconscious these small movements and how you protect yourself and how you present yourself and whether you're proud of yourself or ashamed of yourself and how that changes your posture and your your speech and uh, all these things are quite subtle so over the years you know starting puberty finishing puberty being becoming an adult etc 
you develop a, a style and, and body language that communicates certain things about your experience at the deepest level of your identity and your interactions with others. So, you know, not to mention sexuality, of course. Um, that's another big thing. So for me, it's, it's, it's really not just the fairly superficial, uh, oh, you know, you're this guy with a flat chest or you're this guy with some moves that maybe aren't even that prominent or whatever. It's just so much more than that. It's a whole lifetime's worth. Okay, maybe not like a whole lifetime's worth, but a, a, a big part of life's worth of feeling non-existent in my physical existence feeling uh, non-existent in my sexuality non-existent in my confidence non-existence in my identity um, and and for that for that I need to have top surgery um, so I can give myself the privilege of seeing and feeling myself and thinking here I am I do exist after all here I am it's impossible to to know yourself in your mind and for your body to keep contradicting that all the time in a big way it it decimates you it decimates you to nothing and you sometimes you need to do pretty big things to fix that and that's why that's why you do it and that's why it's worth it it's 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 a gesture of love and a gesture of commitment to myself to say it's not just that i'm aware of my feelings and who i am it's that i am willing to go the length to say this is how far i will go for myself and this is a token of my love for myself. I can't say, oh, I know who I am and it happens to not be shown on my body. And I'll just leave it at that because it's too difficult to do anything about it. That would be abandoning myself in my own head. And that is not an existence that is worth the name of existence. I think this ended up going in a slightly different direction <laughs> to what I intended, but I just wanted to kind of highlight the the difference between, you know, let's say casual um, discomfort and 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 with the pressures of society and and gendered pressures and the the more extreme version of the experience of someone who really you know it really just goes extremely deep and it really isn't just a cosmetic thing it really isn't just a oh you know i wish i wasn't fat sort of thing or uh i'm not as pretty as the next person sort of thing it's just it's so so much more basic than that so for me these let's say common experiences of oh, do I have to shave my legs and why do I have to be super, super feminine and, you know, whatever. Um, it really isn't about expressing, just expressing my personality. 
it's it's actually the a more basic thing in terms of sex and in terms of my body um and seeing people on the beach um sort of half naked or whatever um is is less about um oh well i guess i'm not the most attractive person here and more about i am just fully invisible like i really don't even see myself existing amongst amongst these other people not even remotely even at the beginning of it i'm just you know totally invisible uh if you're if you're a guy walking around in a female body in a bikini you don't really exist do you there's a body there sure but are you there not really you're not really there um especially in highly sexualized contexts where young people interact with each other this is very very strong you know of course everyone grows old and you don't keep your body forever but if you even get a shot at feeling like you really embody your body that is good enough that is good enough to say you know what i existed at some point i was me and whoever i talked to and whoever saw me saw me you know you can say oh well you don't need to do anything about it it's fine you you just you already exist even if it's just on the inside you can just tell people about it but it doesn't work like that you know it really doesn't you know you you um you have old people saying this all the time i think ageism is going to be the next huge barrier that we're going to push through uh and old people say you know i still you know they're 60 and they say well i still feel 20 or i still feel 18 and you hear them you understand what they say but it doesn't change their body and what the ramifications of that are and you know in the matrix it says that the body cannot live without the mind i'm pretty sure the mind also cannot live without the body that's a pretty good note thank you for leaving ratings i appreciate them i still can't see the average of 5 5 ratings so i think i still need more uh leave a rating write a write a review if you've got something interesting to say and uh catch you later